Hey everybody, it is VegCast 93. We're going vegan in a big way in South Philly. Alright, I know that the area just above South Street is not technically South Philly, but these two eateries are in the general vicinity of South Philly, and we have the owners of Blackbird Pizzeria and Grindcore House Cafe uh, sitting around for a panel discussion of sorts. Uh, This is going to be an extra long, really, really full menu uh, veg cast. Uh, where we're going to be talking about the economics decisions and ethical decisions of opening and operating uh, these restaurants as all vegan establishments in a world where uh, sometimes people seem to feel the need to make compromises and uh, how that's going for them and what it augurs for the future here in Philly and elsewhere. We're also going to have a science fact about fish and omega-3s and specifically the lack of fish and omega-3s. We will also have a special comment about a blogging brouhaha uh, and we will have a jazzy tune from the jazzy vegetarian Laura Theodore. That's all coming up this time around so I ask you to please sit back, relax, and again, crank up your MP3 player as we deliver to you this 93rd VegCast. Okay, VegCast is sponsored by LightLife, makers of Smart Dog, Smart Ground, and more. Visit them at LightLife.com. Veggie goodness for you and the planet. And here in Philadelphia, as regular VegCast listeners know, I sometimes uh, chronicle developments that are happening of interest to Philadelphians, and this is certainly one of great interest to the Philadelphia vegan community. Uh, This late summer and fall, two different all-vegan establishments opened. Uh, As I mentioned, it's Grindcore House, a coffee house, and uh, Blackbird Pizzeria. Uh, They are operated by uh, two pairs of people who are friends with each other, and uh, they share this uh, facet that not only are they all vegan, they're very upfront about it, The Blackbird Pizzeria is where Jonna's Grill used to be, just above South Street. Uh, And they have, uh, when you walk in, they have a menu board and a a very uh, big lettering that says, All items are vegan. And uh, Grindcore House actually has a sign hanging out over the sidewalk that says, Grindcore House vegan. Uh, and I'm, that's just uh, it's a great trend. Uh, and we're going to hear about how this came about. Uh, we're going to be talking with David Anthem, Mark Mebus, and Mike Barone. Uh, and we'll find out who did what and how as we go to uh, the apartment just above Grindcore House, uh, where uh, we sat down to talk about vegan eateries, and vegan businesses in Philly and potentially elsewhere. Okay, we're sitting here right now. Uh, We're going to have a talk with David Anthem, with Mark Mavis, and Mike Barone. Uh, They're going to just each start, introduce themselves, give it just a very quick capsule before we get into 
uh, talking about these two restaurants that uh, are of such interest right now and will continue to be, of course. And they will also pronounce the names correctly in case I didn't get them right. So since you're right next to me, David, why don't we start with you? Okay. My name is David Anthem, and I'm one of the co-owners of the Grindcore House, which is a coffee shop slash cafe, basically a coffee house in South Philadelphia. I've been vegan for a little over 14 years now, so and it was just kind of my intent, along with Mike, to open up a place that would uh, cater to other vegans around the city, but also try and include people who were interested in veganism and to try and make it kind of a less weird thing to them um, by normalizing kind of veganism a little bit more in that diet and lifestyle. So that was kind of one of the main um, ideas behind trying to open up something that would be all completely vegan. My name is Mark Nevis. I'm one of the co-owners of uh, Blackbird Pizzeria. It's an all-vegan pizza place at 6 and Lombard in Philadelphia. Um, the other owner is my friend Tank. Unfortunately, he lives in uh, New York and couldn't make it down for this. Um, I guess uh, the purpose behind opening Blackbird, um, I've been working in vegan cooking for uh, about eight years now, and um, it's what I do and what I love to do, and also uh, basically I think Tank and I just wanted to open a place that was all vegan as opposed to, you know, a lot of the places that just have vegan options, and um, just kind of wanted to... Um, I don't know, have a place that was completely in line with our own personal uh, viewpoints while still being uh, a quality place to go for anybody that might come in. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm Mike Barone. I'm the other co-owner of the Grindcore House here in South Philly. Um, just to add to what David said, um, you know, we wanted to open a place in our neighborhood that was, you know, more or less the exact hangout that we just always wanted to have um, and something that kind of brought together a lot of our uh, a lot of our interests from um, books and music to uh, film and uh, especially for me coffee um, so we've had a lot of help from from people like Mark here um, and our other friends uh, Chris and uh, you know a dozen or so other people and uh, I think we've started something that is uh, kind of an interesting new um, type of vegan establishment, I guess. Well, yeah, let me just uh, say right here, I did have the idea of talking to both of you uh, sometime for one or two different podcasts, and then uh, Philadelphia Weekly did a story that, that kind of paired the two together. I didn't realize that, you know, they were related at the time, and I said, now this is, you know, I should do the, the story like that. So I have to acknowledge uh, Philly Weekly for having that, and I'll have the link to that uh, article in the show notes. But um, let's just, if we can get kind of the narrative of, of how this came to be, um, as I understand, David, you were the one who saw the opportunity at Blackbird Pizza, no? No, I, that was that was reported. Yeah. Know, so forget Wrongly, that stupid just, Philly Weekly article. I'm uh, taking that out of the show notes right now. Incorrect. It was, uh, how it, did it actually it was, happen? I'll, I'll let Mark talk about how, um, how Blackbird actually got started. Yeah, actually, I, I was I was kind of interested. I was currently working as the chef of a restaurant called Blossom in New York, and um, I had kind of been thinking about doing something that was a pizza place for a long time. I mean, maybe even 
I think four or five years ago, like uh, me and uh, actually the other uh, owner of Blackberry were throwing around the idea even then. So it's been something that's been a long time coming in. I was uh, at the time, you know, even uh, really looking to do it in New York, just looking around. I was talking to a lot of people and um, uh, Mike actually like just knew that I was interested in doing that and um, I guess he was looking you were looking just for coffee equipment right yeah I was scouring Craigslist yes. for now, uh, let me just interject at that point was Grind Corrals already also on the boards was we it, were it, in it, motion it, was yeah. it, it wasn't open yet though was it or was no it? no we've been working on the project okay. since February alright so uh, yeah there was a good couple months in right and, yeah and then he was looking for coffee equipment and came across a Craigslist ad for uh for the space and then sent me the link and okay. it just turned out to be you know a place called Giannis Grill that previously um, offered vegan uh, you know vegan oh, product um, in addition to regular in addition right. to regular and it's something that we had been familiar with because uh, a long time ago we were also uh, you know all of us had hung out there at one point or another um, a long time ago so it was uh, you know, it was, seemed like a good spot and everything, and it just came together like that. But yeah, it was uh, it was Mike who uh, sent me the Craigslist ad that he saw. And so really, if he hadn't been looking for coffee equipment due to opening Grindcore, I probably never would have seen the Craigslist ad. Okay, I'm going to throw this out to anybody because you all kind of mentioned this. Did you receive any pressure or any um, sage business advice as you guys were going forward from conception to reality that said, you know, it's great to have a place that caters to vegans, um, be sure that you have fish or something that non-vegans can eat just to make sure that, you know, you don't hitch your wagon to this this fad and uh, wind up, because I'm only asking because I've, I've been to different places in, in other cities where, I mean, there's a famous place that I had on a podcast uh, this summer in St. Louis uh, that is a diner and it's, it, it's great they have um, uh, they have gyros, they have milkshakes, they have all this vegan stuff, mm-hmm. and then they have salmon on the menu. And the owner, who's vegan herself, explained that she just she couldn't make it work in St. Louis, Philadelphia. <coughs> you guys think you can? So, what was the was there any? Well, did anybody for, say you're crazy? for us? I mean, the, the first day that Mike and I talked about this, which had been an idea in kind of an embryonic stage in his mind for a long time, but the first day we actually discussed the possibilities of doing this seriously, the first question we asked ourselves is, is it going to be financially feasible for us to open up an all-vegan place and not offer half and half, to not offer any cow's milk for anyone to come in and drink, knowing that the majority of people who drink coffee drink real milk in their coffee, you know? So, and we discussed that because it was a realistic question and we didn't want to be completely utopian and idealistic about opening up an all-vegan coffee shop because it's rarely ever been done, you know? Um, So... Being honest, like we had to question whether this was going to work financially. I mean, it was, I don't think we would have ever opened the place and sold milk because I don't think our consciences would have allowed us to do that. Mm-hmm. But we did have to bring up that and, and broach that topic and really ask ourselves whether it was going to be dumb to just open up a place and then to watch it sink six months later because it wasn't supported. It is riskier for a coffee house because sure. it's, you know, just not traditionally how Americans prepare their coffee, um, you know, without dairy. So I think a restaurant, uh, you know, I'd have a harder time being convinced that they need to actually offer fish or something else. To me, um, one of the biggest selling points uh, to doing an all-vegan place was, well, we're not going to mess up. 
we're not going to like cross contaminate in a way right. um, someone's beverage or food. And you know, the second I hear that th there's fish or dairy at a, at at a place, you know, as a vegan, I am worried because basically you're at the mercy of how serious that underpaid worker that works for someone, you know, takes your dietary choice. And you know, but we we didn't receive any pressure from anyone who. In, in fact, it was it was the opposite. We had friends who were meat eaters who were just vegetarian or whatever that when we would bring up and ask this question to them, you think we can pull off an all vegan place? They were like, go for it, do it. And if it, if you know, you, that's what you guys are all about, and therefore you should you should try it and you should do it. So we kind of got this like support that we didn't really know we were going to get from people who aren't vegan themselves, but thought mm -hmm. knowing us well enough that yeah, you guys can pull it off. You know, you can do it. There's enough of a community here to probably support it. And might as well try it and see how it goes. So great. Was it a similar thing with um, Blackbird? Yeah. Well, with me, with the with the pizza shop, I mean, truthfully, I mean, I've been working in in all vegan restaurants and involved in all vegan restaurants for a good while now. So I mean, there wasn't really any doubt in my mind at all as to it working on an all vegan platform. Uh, I mean, I've seen it and been a part of it working for so long that I mean, I just I just don't I personally do not see the point in just offering like one thing that is non-vegan for uh, you know whatever percentage of your clientele might possibly come to get I mean I mean honestly like there may be some people that come in specifically for that one thing and get it but I think uh, you know across the board you're gonna find that's not the case um, you know most of the time people go to a place and then you know they're gonna get something that you have there I mean like uh, this place in St. Louis I mean I'm not very familiar with it and I'm definitely not trying to you know talk trash on anybody it's just a different way of looking at things but I feel as though um, you know if she didn't offer the salmon dish for instance like I I would imagine a lot of those same customers would still go in there and just get something that wasn't salmon I think a lot of a lot of the time it's getting ordered because it's there it's not that the people are coming in to order that so you know and in my experience with vegan restaurants and you know things across the board um, as far as like the ethics side of it is concerned um, I, I don't think that I could open something that, or, I mean, I didn't even want to cook anywhere that had dairy at all whatsoever, you know, let alone, uh, let alone own a place so that it just wasn't going to happen. Um, and, you know, in terms of, uh, recommendations from other people on what to do with the business, um, it was pretty much, uh, a wash that people said I should do it all vegan, um, to, set myself apart, like even people that had zero interest in mm -hmm. uh, animal rights or even veganism as a health thing or, or anything. So, you know, for me, there was really no red light at all whatsoever. Okay. Well, let's, if we can talk just a little more specifically briefly about what uh, things that you guys have, because um, a good portion of our listenership may be from around the Philadelphia area and not gone into town to try them out, and others may be out of town, they may visit Philadelphia sometime. Mm -hmm. I uh, want to check this out, um, and I want to speak specifically to your non-dairy options because both of these businesses are, um, you could see them perfectly well working as vegetarian things, but vegan, in each one you're taking on a specific thing that is entrenched with uh, the milk and cream in the coffee and the cheese pizza, which is like, you know, such an icon of I can't go vegan because what would I, how would I live without this? Uh, so excellent taste in my mouth. Um, so, if if we could just get you know what 
how you went about choosing how you were going to do that? Because you guys at the coffee house, you have various non-dairy uh, options. You had to pick, Mark, or you guys had to pick a what you were going to do as your cheese. How did these kind of decisions uh, come about, if whoever wants to? Yeah, I mean, with, with me, there wasn't really too much. Uh, like, I, I don't feel as though we had a lot of choice in terms of what cheese to use. Uh, I didn't really start getting very serious again about opening a pizza place until I had Daya cheese, which is what we use, which is a more of a cassava root flour and tapioca-based cheese, not soy-based. I'm, I'm personally not a very big fan of soy cheese in general, so um, realistically, I probably wouldn't have gone through with opening a pizza place without, without a cheese that I enjoyed to some degree and that I knew the public was a little more into. So, you know, the creation of diet cheese did was like a large contributing factor, without a doubt. For us, we knew that, I mean, it was kind of a challenge, I think, to uh, offer an array of milks that would hopefully be adequate substitutes for people that are used to preparing their coffee in their way, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, we knew that we'd have to get these things out onto the condiment station, put them right at people's fingertips so you don't have to ask for anything kind of special, um, that they would, we just... We wouldn't want to charge a premium for any of them. Um, we just had to make it very accessible. So and we started with um, soy, of course, but uh, also almond rice and coconut, as well as a soy creamer and a coconut creamer. Um, the other unique thing we've been trying to do, though, is to concoct a blend of milks hmm. um, that would be unique to our place. The Grand Guarals Creamer. Basically, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's cool. people, of course, heard of coffee blends and stuff. You do that for all different reasons, you know, pairing up different types of beans and flavors and, and things. Um, and for people that might think that, you know, the almond or coconut imparts too much flavor on the milk or changing the flavor, we want to try and find this balance, something we've been working on for a while. Mm -hmm. um, we even we've talked about doing other options as well, uh, hazelnut and hemp. Um We've had like the French vanilla soy creamer available, um, pumpkin spice, things like that. Like if people ask for it, you know, there's right. even more options. So, well, let me uh, also be sure that I mentioned you also have sandwiches there in addition to the the coffee. You have sandwiches at Blackbird in addition to the pizza, um, and you're talking about maybe we would come up with this Grand Corral's creamer. Uh, this is trying to kind of transition to my next predictable question, which is, are you guys looking to expand out into the retail market, expand into additional locations? Are you, or did you decide to just like stick with this as it is for a certain amount of time before deciding what, what to do or what can, what can you share we're, with? We're probably not savvy enough to start <laughs> doing all that. Yeah. But, uh, I would think you know, some other things that we'd like to achieve or to, to finally implement at the space, which David probably is anxious to talk about some of those other facets. But I mean, I think for now we're, we're, we are looking to expand like as far as our food menu a little bit. We want to add a few more sandwiches and possibly some soups and things like that. So, you know, there's always talk of us kind of evolving in a certain way. We are limited as far as space goes and um, things like that. So we're trying to make it work in where we have. 
you know, I mean, give us a year, we'll probably be at McDonald's and coffee shops and <laughs> on every corner in the city. They'll be in every city. <laughs> well, I have to. But <laughs> we, we, I mean, we, we, you know, we talked about it. And we've had a lot of people in West Philadelphia say, "You guys got to open up a grinder house in West Philly and have that one." To right. whatever, which you know makes our minds start racing, and could could we pull off like a second grind courthouse in a different part of the city? And there's obviously a ton of people, vegans and vegetarians, and kind of radicals and stuff out in West Philly, so it's kind of a ready-made like clientele for us as far as um, that goes. But as of right now, we're just taking this place slowly, trying to make it as perfect as we can, um, and then you know maybe in the future we'll talk yeah, about if that, that opportunity thing. shows up. So I guess my my point was basically just that I feel like we haven't unveiled half the things that we've been that we right. envisioned. Eight okay. months ago. For this particular space. Yeah. So. so maybe after that we'd be open to something. So people who have already been there should be sure to go back because there maybe a whole yeah. Whole it's new every time option. they come they, for the next. They thought they knew you, but it's no. That's that's definitely one of our goals is to you know completely offer something different to people each time they step through the door, whether that's a new book on the library shelf or whether it's a new film screening coming up or whether it's a new sandwich mm-hmm. or a new kind of right. a new blend or whatever, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it is to keep it evolving. Mark, you got plans? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, realistically, it would be, it would be a little while before I think Tank and I really thought about um, expanding. And even at that, I, I mean, my viewpoints on it, I really kind of, you know, hold the ideology that it's best to uh, make one spot as good as it can possibly be and not worry about, you know, just copying it over and over and over. So uh, if we were going to do, like, another place, it would probably have to be... A, I, I would personally probably like it to be more unique in its own way as well. So, you know, everything with Blackbird, I think we just kind of, like, kind of like what you guys were saying, like, with uh, Grindcore, like, we kind of want to... We still have a lot of things we want to do with it. Um, so until this project is actually complete, I don't know if we could really think too much about moving on. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I mean, who knows? But um, it's just... It's not, like, a, it's not something I'm, like... So maybe really because we can't... I can't right get a Blackbird franchise. Maybe we'll expand. We'll take your plan. <laughs> <laughs> and we've all talked about opening up a place together. Maybe, you know, there'll be a Blackbird and Grindcore House collaboration on some future food. Grindbird. Establishment in the city. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we call it Black Core. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, so. Whatever well, works. <laughs> you know, we, we have a lot of projects that we're still pushing through. That's mm-hmm. all. Okay. Well, you guys, I know that uh, each of the places has only been open a few months. So I'm not going to, obviously, if I say, well, how is the business doing? The obvious answer, oh, it's great. So we're not going to say ask that as much, but have you... Um, is there any kind of trend that you've noticed with your clientele? Is there anything interesting that that you've seen in terms of, you know, the people that are coming or heard uh, from them that either you think is worth remarking or that surprised you or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, for, for us, it was... Uh we didn't really know. We knew that, that the vegans around the city were going to probably support us. That was our hope anyway. Um, and they have in droves and have continued to do that and not just been like, oh, we supported you in the first two weeks now. You know, and a lot of people live far from right. Pennsport and they've made, they've trekked out here uh, a few times a week and continue to do so. And so those people have been great about keeping the business afloat and, you know, throwing us suggestions and things like that. But our main goal was to really reach out to those other folks that we weren't real sure about, which is a lot of folks in our immediate neighborhood, um, in South Philly in general, and things like that, and to figure out a way to make them feel welcome, to make them feel invited, to make them feel like this wasn't some just kind of like 
punk, like radical, like vegan hangout that, that offered them nothing because we never wanted that for, for the grindcore house. And once we opened from the first day that we were open, we had that support from those people. And we had people coming in saying, Oh, you know, I typically drink milk, but which of these milks would be good to try and have been open to the experience of trying something new. Right. Um, and have not just walked out and discussed and said, well, I'm going to Wawa, I'm going to Dunkin' Donuts. Um, so that has been an incredibly encouraging trend that has seemed to continue. Um, and we've seen new people all the time coming in. So we have our regulars uh, who come in, and we've made a lot of different friends with a lot of different kinds of people, but then we also have new people constantly coming in because of some review they read or whatever, they just found out about it, and they've come down to this godforsaken part of South Philadelphia and checked it out, and, you know, it's been great. Um, so I think for us, it has been a really positive thing to see the huge variety of people who kind of decided that this one place offers them something, and that could be numerous things because we have numerous different facets of the space that we're always trying to explore. Um, so it might not be everyone's favorite coffee place, but they might, you know, like to sit there and read or whatever because of the books that are in the library, because of the films that they can see, or because of the events that we host or whatever. Um, and that's kind of been probably the most encouraging thing for us thus far in the short amount of time we've been open. Yeah. You want to add anything to that as far as? Yeah. I mean I was actually going to use the word encouraging again, just like the word of mouth and the support has just been, it's been awesome. I mean, we haven't done any like, you know, advertising per se or whatever, but word spread fast and uh, the vegans vegans and vegetarians here came out to support. And then, you know, you also, it's cool because every once in a while we see people, they're clearly from out of town, you know, they, they buy a t-shirt and everything because they just search for vegan when they're traveling and, you know. You go to, you know, uh, you seek out vegan, vegetarian places when you're right. in other cities. So, I don't know, I think that just, it speaks to the, the kind of, the community that vegans and vegetarians have really created for themselves. With all the different websites and podcasts like yours, um, and just the word of mouth spreads really fast. It's great. Yeah, I mean, at Blackbird, I think we've been very happy with how it's been going and with the clientele. Um... I guess I don't have too much to say about it, other than uh, I'm really surprised, actually, at the amount of regulars. Um, like, there's uh, there's some people that just come in, like, five days a week for lunch. Like, when we opened for lunch, I thought lunch was just going to be totally, totally dead, and there's, like, like some people are just, like, there, we have a lot of diehards, basically, and it's really, really awesome. <coughs> it's just, uh, yeah, it just It just makes me, like really happy, you know, and it seems like a lot of people are genuinely, uh, you know, happy about, happy about the food. Like even, even, um, there's a good amount of, you know, non-vegan people that come in that don't like diet cheese at all, but they're still really into like other things on the menu. Like they'll talk about how much they like the sandwich and sandwiches, um, or just specifically, you know, the crust and things like that. Yeah. The Yukon pizza, there's a potato pizza that people can go nuts over. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've been, I've been very, very happy with the response altogether. It makes us raise the bar for ourselves in a way. Because, you know, so we get this feedback right away. And um, it's good because it's been motivating for us. Yeah, 100%. All right. Well, now, as a, I guess, trying to wrap it all up, um, just looking at the Philadelphia food scene... I mean, I've obviously been looking at it as a vegan now for 10 years, and I've been looking at it professionally this way 
semi-professionally for five years and in my other persona as well, um, looking at it and watching this kind of acceptance of veganism as something that's not just contained within this crazy, radical, hippie niche kind of become something that uh, people generally want to try. And now kind of it's almost, it seems like it's getting to a tipping point with non-vegan places saying, oh, we've got to have something vegan, something that says it's vegan on the, on the menu, not just have a salad and tell vegans they can have a salad, but we should spotlight something so that they feel welcome. And I'm just wondering, does that, I mean, do you guys notice that and does it make you think, great, you know, it's, it's really mainstreaming the concept of vegan or do you think, oh no, the people, you know, where they might drag everybody to Grindcore House or Blackbird, they're going to go along with this other thing because they can get something vegan there. I mean, is it a double-edged sword or what? Um, I guess my opinion on it is really that, I mean, I feel as though the more the more vegan food that's offered, the better. That's honestly how I feel. Like, like for instance, I don't, I don't like to think of us as like competing with other vegetarian places or other non-vegetarian places that are offering vegan food because realistically, I want more people to be eating vegetarian and vegan options than eating non-vegetarian options. So, I mean, that's been my viewpoint for a long time. I mean, it's just kind of how I try to look at things. It may not be the best from a business standpoint of viewpoints to have. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I do feel like the more people that are eating uh, vegan foods, then the, the more people will be drawn to our establishments. And, sure. I mean, that's that's really just how I feel about things. That's sort of like what uh, I picked up over the years just talking to, uh, you know, some restaurant owners that I worked for, like... Uh, uh, my old boss is at Blossom and uh, Rich at Horizons. Um, I think that's kind of the general feel um, is that, you know, it's not like vegan food is everywhere and it's kind of like it's way better for people to be exposed to it than not be exposed to it because then it, it, it kind of like makes them think about it more. And, it, it, you know, in that, then uh, then our businesses should be better from it. Um you know, and, and also, you know, when you were talking about that kind of catching on stuff, I do, I remember, I was working at Horizons when it first opened, and well, I remember when Horizons first opened, then there a million places started offering ve- vegetarian options like that, mm-hmm. and, um, but that has not gone away, and it's, you know, all of those options, it wasn't like as soon as, like, Horizons was around for a while, people stopped offering it, like, all those places still have vegetarian options, they still get ordered all the time, and, um, you know, Horizons is still doing great business. So, you know, as that is an example, I mean, I think that, um, you know, we can kind of follow follow suit uh, with what we've seen with other vegan establishments. But. I, I think the more options you have for a particular location, whether it's Philadelphia as a whole or a particular neighborhood, vegans and vegetarians are more likely to actually go there. You know, and if I'm with a couple yeah. friends and we don't all want the same thing, we could still wind up going to South Street now and someone, a couple people get pizza, and maybe someone else will get some, like, you know, falafel or whatever. But it creates, you know, this excuse to go to these other places. Um, and people can start to, you know, look at Philadelphia as maybe, like, another place that they could more easily travel to or would feel more comfortable in or something. And, you know, I think the indirect options, just to kind of play off what Mark was saying, is when these other folks that are, aren't necessarily vegetarian or vegan go into their favorite 
you know, hang out or a bar or a restaurant or whatever, and they start to see these options show up on there, it, it does make it less weird and more accessible for them. And, you know, friends that are vegan and not can go to common places together. And, it, you know, it, in a way, it works. It's good for everybody. And to add a final yeah, cynical yeah, note. Yeah, bring me a tie. And Dave. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with what they both said, but I, I definitely, there is a part of me that's always irked when I feel like veganism itself uh, is commodified in a certain way and becomes like, whether it's trendy or whatever, and there's an economic motive for selling something vegan, not an ethical motive. And that's where, you know, when I'm in a place and, and I am ordering something that's vegan and I realize that I'm also going to pay for them to, you know, still order meat from a factory farm somewhere or whatever. Like, I can't help but think that, that this, this owner has decided to offer vegan fare, not because of any ethical considerations on his part, but because he can make money off of it, because he knows there's vegans and vegetarians around the city. So I think what they said is completely true, and, it, and it's great anytime somebody can order something that's vegan or vegetarian, or maybe go be in a bar somewhere and be able to order a vegan cheesesteak instead of just having no, no non-meat option. Um, but at the same time, I, I, there is still part of me that's always going to be fighting that trend and fighting the, the impulse of a bar owner or a restaurant owner to only do that from an economic perspective, you know, yeah, and, and from and, a business practice, you know. And like what we were saying before about, like, your comfort level eating at a place like that isn't quite the same as if I go to get a cheesesteak cheese from Blackbird. Right, exactly. You know, like, you, you do have to wonder, you know. Well, I, I should... Say, I know you guys don't want to trash talk anybody, but John has got into a lot of trouble for having a cheese that they told people was vegan, and then after enough people said, would you be sure to check this? They said, oh, well, we, we didn't check close enough. And it does, you know, having somebody that is in it for an ethical reason kind of tells you that they're going to take seriously what the ingredients are. They're going to make sure what they're putting in their restaurant, what they're letting through. If it's a kind of hybrid situation, you know, it's great in the big picture, mm -hmm. but when you, I, I know what you mean about going there, you kind of have to, yeah. say, are they that, paying attention? People that have been vegan like us for 10 plus years aren't going to make those mistakes. Right. And they can just more confidently come and eat. And that's why it'll never, it'll never be a competitive thing to me at least, because I know that there's people that feel like me about the way they eat and the seriousness with which they take veganism, and if they have a choice, they're probably going to come to our place for this vegan thing that they might be able to get a little bit closer to home from a different coffee shop, but they actually want to throw their support behind the Grindcore House because of what we stand for, because I know I would do the exact same thing. I would right. travel a little bit further, might even pay a little bit more money or whatever to support an all-vegan establishment as opposed to some place that just has something vegan there. You know? Right. True. And, well, all right, that's uh, that's going to do it. I just have to congratulate you guys and say that uh, I think it, it is a, a great beginning of a trend. It's obviously, you're not the first people who have opened all vegan restaurants in uh, Philadelphia, but the, the particular positioning of these and the, the price point and the kinds of food that you're offering, uh, it's really, I think, it is going to get across to a lot of people that there are people who are serious about their ethics and yet also enjoy just uh, scarfing down <laughs> tasty food. And uh, I just wanted to thank you on behalf of the Philadelphia community for doing that. And thank thanks you. for sitting and talking yeah, for VegCast. Thanks for the, thanks for the opportunity. Community. Appreciate it.
arms in my soul This flame is fire Out of control You got the rules And you know how to use them You got the love You got the love And you let and it show Ooh, sweet darling I want you to know To satisfaction In every kiss You got the love You got the love You got the love that makes the young girls cry. So much love, I can't see it in your eyes. If this is love, it's driving me crazy. You got the love, you got the love, you got the love that makes the sparks fly. My moon is running, my engine's on high. There's nobody else that drives me home. Jazzy vegetarian Laura Theodore with You Got the Love. Laura Theodore is a vegan chef, radio and television personality, award-winning jazz singer and actor, green lifestyle blogger, and compassionate cookbook 
author. She's the host of the Jazzy Vegetarian Television Show and Jazzy Vegetarian Radio, and you can find out more about Laura and her activities at www.jazzyvegetarian.com. And now we're going to turn our jazzy attention to the science Our science fact for VegCast 93, women on vegan diets have more long-chain omega-3s compared with fish eaters. And this is a write-up by PCRM of a study that uh, was announced and written up in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Uh, I will give you the lead From their news release, women following vegan diets have significantly more omega-3 good fats in their blood compared with fish eaters, meat eaters, and ovo-lacto-vegetarians, according to a new report from the European Prospective Investigation into Cancer and Nutrition, the EPIC study, that is. The uh, article goes on to say, despite zero intake of long-chain omega-3s, that's EPA and DHA, and substantially lower intake of their plant-derived precursor ALA. Those are the three uh, fats we're talking about here. Vegan participants converted robust amounts of shorter-chain fatty acids into these long-chain fatty acids. The study included 14,422 men and women aged 39 to 78. So it's a pretty large study, and uh, this is worth pointing out. You know, we, we hear all about the benefits of fish, eating fish. Uh, you may not want to eat beef or pork or chicken, but come on, fish, everybody likes to eat fish, and uh, we've handled the uh, various pollutants and problems with fish in other science facts. But uh, fish oil and uh, the concept of getting omega-3s is the one thing that uh, everybody seems to fall back on in the mainstream media, why we have to eat fish, because it's so much better at getting us our omega-3s. Here we have something that pretty flatly contradicts that. Uh, Now, I will point out that the numbers for vegan men were not as high as those for vegan women. So it's not like this is a a, a complete slam dunk. By avoiding fish, suddenly you have more omega-3s. But the very fact that uh, they're even in the ballpark is pretty remarkable. Uh, And it's also worth uh, pointing out that uh, omega-6 fatty acids Uh, People have generally in America and in Western countries too many uh, omega-6 fatty acids in their diet. Uh, We need a proper uh, ratio of 3 to 1 of omega-6 to omega-3s. And uh, the standard American diet is somewhere closer to 25 to 1. Uh, That's among both meat eaters and vegetarians. So part of the strategy might be to limit uh, your omega-6 uh, fatty acid, fatty acid intake, uh, rather than trying to go out and get concentrated sources like fish oil uh, that have the omega threes. And returning to this study, even though it is a large, some might even call it epic study. Uh, obviously, we'll need to see some follow up on this, but uh, right now we are just looking at and reporting a pretty interesting 
A bit of science here, and that's why we call it the Science Fact. And before we entirely leave the topic of science, I had considered doing this as a science fact, uh, but it's not uh, one of those canonical ones based on a peer-reviewed study and so forth. Uh, So I'm just going to put it in here instead as a special comment. But as many vegans are aware, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a famous, and I put that in quotes, uh, vegan blogger uh, came out and uh, said she was abandoning veganism and returning to eating meat because her doctor had told her that uh, she had to. Uh, Now, first of all, I had not heard of this vegan blogger, even though I follow uh, dozens of vegan bloggers. I had not heard of this person until this post came out. Uh, But in this post, uh, she started off trying to make the case that veganism may not work for every single person, which is certainly a possibility, but then uh, started quoting her doctor on uh, why human beings in general actually do need to eat meat and dairy and uh, then talked about how she went and started eating meat and uh, loved it and uh, is eating bacon now so that she can be healthy. I mean, there are so many things that are uh, almost laughable about this that uh, why one would laugh, except that it's actually a very serious topic and uh, touches on uh, people's latent fears that if they're stepping outside the norm of uh, mainstream thought, they may be doing something dangerous. And so this plays very well into that. I'm going to link in our show notes to an excellent post by a vegan dietitian, the vegan RD, Ginny Messina, uh, who talks about several uh, patent inaccuracies in the post in terms of uh, how it describes uh, physiological effects and uh, so forth. Uh, And then we're going to just basically leave that there rather than trying to treat it as something scientific because uh, most of the information presented in the post was uh, kind of anti-scientific. But this is just a reminder that uh, people do need to take uh, their health seriously when they go vegan. Uh, and we do need to uh, watch out for our omega-3s, our B12, and so forth. And we should consider ourselves ambassadors for the ideology of veganism and uh, try to live that out as, as best as we can and try to make the case with our lives uh, that veganism does work, and it certainly seems to work for a great number of people. Uh, It doesn't always seem to work for doctors who are not vegan, for some reason. Uh, However, it does seem to work for doctors who are. It's a very bizarre thing. Anyway, uh, we're going to just leave that there. And in fact, we're going to leave the whole podcast there and head on out the door. Right, I want to thank our sponsor, Light Life. Light Life makes eating veggie deliciously easy. Join us and be pro-veggie. I also want to thank David Anthem, Mark Mebus, and Mike Barone for uh, getting together and sitting to talk about uh, Grindcore House and Blackbird Pizzeria. Also want to thank Laura Theodore for sending uh, a cut to play uh, from the Jazzy Vegetarian. 
And I want to thank you, the VegCast listener, for listening and hopefully subscribing. You can find us at iTunes. And until next time, get out there and live like you mean it. VegCast.